Kevin Durant apparently still wants to be traded to the Phoenix Suns. Do the Suns even have a good enough package to start a conversation, much less finish one when it comes to trading for Kevin Durant? Plus, going to look at the end of summer league action, some players that stood out, some possible ways to look at how the future is going to unravel for the Brooklyn Nets. Going to talk about all of that, but first, the theme music. You are locked on Nets. Your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome back to the Locked On Nets podcast and the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team the Brooklyn Nets every single day. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. I am Doug Norrie, owner operator of DFSR.com. If you need some basketball projections for the upcoming season, you got them there at DFSR.com. Got MLB, NFL on the way as well, so go check that out. No Adam Armbrecht today. Going to roll through this one solo as we begin the week. Thanks for making Locked On Nets your first listen of the day. Free and available on all platforms. Make sure you go subscribe on YouTube as well. Really appreciate all the comments, as always, that have come in on YouTube. Love mixing it up over there. Having some fun, getting some laughs. Some people want to get serious over on YouTube as well. We're here for it all. Uh, So much appreciated, and thanks for making Locked On Nets your first listen. Got a ton to talk about today. Finished off Summer League um, in pretty nice fashion for the Nets. Going to talk about that for sure, but wanted to start about something that was kind of making its rounds a little bit more over the weekend, and that was just trying to figure out what this Kevin Durant situation looks like for the Brooklyn Nets. Um, In Phoenix's, uh, let's say fans' eyes, the deal is all but a foregone conclusion. Kevin Durant wants to go to the Phoenix Suns, and the you know in the superstar era of basketball, superstars have tended to get their way. So if Kevin Durant wants if Kevin Durant wants to go to Phoenix, then I can understand why a Phoenix fan would think, oh, that deal's done, and away you go. And even like even not even Phoenix fans either. I mean, people that follow the team very closely, Brendan Clean over at Locked On Suns, uh, we and I were talking about it a little bit over the weekend. Maybe we'll try for a crossover pod at some point to talk about this situation. And he's of the mind that you know this is going to be done as well. And so I sort of understand it when the context is mostly around things that have happened in the past and in the superstar era of player empowerment or whatever you want to call it these days when a player wants out of a contract and wants out of a certain situation that they're in that player has tended to not always but tended to get their way and to get to their to the location that they want to go Anthony Davis going to LA Jimmy Butler wanting out of Minnesota. I mean, I I can't say he wanted to go to the Sixers, but that's the way it was. James Harden, you know, look no further than the James Harden situation when it came to the Brooklyn Nets uh, two seasons ago. And although you could say, well, he wanted to go to the Nets or Philly. And then one season ago where Harden just wanted to go to Philly. So I get all these situations. And these are the contexts by which we are deriving our opinions around the Kevin Durant situation. So that part makes sense. What I've tried to point out to anyone that will listen is that I still contend that this Kevin Durant situation is much different than all those other ones. He has many more years left on the contract. 
uh, he's better than all those other guys. Uh, you know, maybe whatever you want to say, future talent for AD. But the most important thing is that all of those other teams, for the most part, had something to give for for the player they were going to get. Now, the packages varied a little bit, but the packages were actually real. Obviously, we know that Anthony Davis, you know, got a massive package when it came to the Lakers. They gave up Ingram, Hart, Ball, and a ton of picks to bring back Anthony Davis, essentially on an expiring, just to ensure that he was going to be on the team next year. Uh, the Nets did give up Jared Allen, Karis LeVert, and a bunch of picks in order to uh, Torian Prince too, in order to facilitate the uh, trade with Harden, who was on had one more year left on the deal. Still gave up meaningful parts, and I think you could make the case that some of those you know picks well off into the future for the Nets. One could project that they might be okay based on the age regressions around Harden and Durant, and that's going to be important for what I'm going to get to in a second, but. Those those are still meaningful picks. They still did not have the uh, close to the years left on the contract that Kevin Durant has. So I'll just just to point out the, the start that this situation still remains, you know, I think quite different than nearly all other situations because of the years and because of Kevin Durant's talent too. Uh, I think that part is really important. But then we get to the part with the Suns, and this is the part that I've yet to see something functional come back from Phoenix, you know, fans or frankly even people that cover the team, is that while it seems like a foregone conclusion that Kevin Durant is going to end up a Phoenix Sun, there I have not seen a package that the Nets that the Phoenix could propose one one on one to start. And we'll add in a few teams here in a second. But one like a one for one trade, not one for one players, but like one for one team trade. I've yet to see a package that looks even close to something the Nets would bother accepting considering the situation. Forget and, you know, Even when you tack in the Gobert situation, and we'll see what happens here with Donovan Mitchell as comps for what the trade market can look like, I just don't see how Phoenix is able to put something on paper that Nets brass could even begin to sell themselves on. Okay, we take Aiton off the table for the next six months because he just signed the uh, full max extension and he can't be traded for six months. So he's locked up through January. Uh, they're not trading Devin Booker. We know that. They're not going to trade Chris Paul, obviously. We know that because this is the whole point. And so once you're through there, the last, the next guy you have on the list is Mikhail Bridges. Really nice player. Let's call him a top 40 player at probably best. Um, but, you know, room for growth on his age. After that, what is there? Cam Johnson? rotation player. Dario Saric is a guy that's gotten thrown in. He didn't even play last year. Campaign, salary fodder. You see what I mean here. Like they don't have anything close to the players that you could even begin to wrap a package around short of bridges plus like something else. And I just don't think that's enough. And then we get to the draft picks. So here's the other thing about something of the difference around the draft pick equity that you'd be getting back from Phoenix Suns. Yeah, let's say Phoenix wants to throw in five picks. I'm not sure if they can even do it because of the Stepien rule, but let's just say they're able to get five picks or four picks plus a swap or two swaps or something in there. Phoenix is going to be good for a while here. <laughs> like these Phoenix picks are not going to be quality picks for a long time because even if let's so let's say they trade Kevin Durant to Phoenix. That team next year would be awesome. Um, there'd be no way the pick would be in the lottery, like zero, almost 0.0% chance. They could sustain many injuries probably and still make the playoffs because that team would be loaded with Paul, Durant, uh, Booker, and uh, Eaton. 
and then like whatever else filler they have. But they're at a they're in an interesting place now. Phoenix, where those picks aren't going to be good for a while because they have Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton, who are super young. Like that's going to be a borderline playoff team and in, in their worst versions for years to come, even after Chris Paul and Kevin Durant come off the books. Like this is the part where people forget a lot of those a lot of those other trades. You could kind of set yourself on a path to say. Oh, these you know, four, three years from now, these picks might look pretty good. That's not going to be the case with the Suns. The picks will never be almost under no scenario short of Booker asking out, you know, in three years. Like, there's no chance where these picks are going to be good. And so this is the part where I think I don't want to call it delusional, but I just don't see it. Like, I just don't see it. You want to add in other teams? No one has shown me what that path is yet either. You know, it was, sometimes it was starting around Donovan Mitchell, but it's looking a lot like he's going to go to the Knicks, and the Knicks are just going to kind of unload the bag here for for Donovan Mitchell and I don't I mean can the Nets and Suns kind of cram their way into a three-team deal there maybe Uh, like I think that'd probably be one of the few scenarios but where are these other mystery teams with with high quality players coming in as part of a three-team deal and this is where I've just never seen the example I have not seen the solid example that's realistic. Like, do not give me Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, and five picks for Kevin Durant. That just doesn't get it done. That's not real. That's not what I mean by realistic. I, the realistic example of a trade, you know, even based on like Gobert stuff or Anthony Davis trades or all this other comps that we have for Drew Holiday, comps we have for very high quality players getting moved. Like, I just haven't seen it presented. So if you haven't presented, I'd love to see it. I'm personally just not seeing it. That's why I'm becoming increasingly uh, bullish on the idea that Kevin Durant, uh, that we're going to see those odds around Kevin Durant coming back to the the Brooklyn Nets increase as the summer goes on. Unless there's some kind of major market shift here or Durant fully goes for it and says he's going to sit out. But I still think the Nets almost need to call the bluff if these are going to be the deals. So this is an interesting situation. My opinion, actually, as days go on, becomes increasingly not so much that he wouldn't go to the that that he wouldn't be traded, but this is just not going to be the Suns. But happy to hear the dissenting side on that one. Uh, Definitely for sure, because I think that this is one of those kinds of situations that still has a lot of moving parts. We've seen this play out in the NBA a ton of times. Um, if history will tell us anything, my stance is going to be wrong. That's just based strictly on like, you know, what's happened historically. So I totally, totally get that part. Um, I'm just, this is just kind of where I land on today because I'm just trying to look at this thing logistically going to get into some summer league stuff. Definitely some takeaways, uh, from this last game against Boston, uh, was a fun one to watch. I thought it was one of the most complete games, have some takeaways on David Duke jr. Dayron sharp, um, some mostly positive, a couple on the other side, but we'll get into that here in a second. First, going to talk to you about our friends over at bet online's your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info right now. If you go and look at the championship odds on Bet Online right now, this is the kind of thing I kind of keep my mind on or my eye on because it does kind of it does give you know sometimes a functional way to think about how next season is shaping up. Right now, the Phoenix Suns, aforementioned Phoenix Suns, plus seven fifty over at Bet Online. That's number five. They're in the number five spot. You got to go down to the number nine spot for the Brooklyn Nets. So they've been kind of creeping up there a little bit. They were down to twelve or thirteen before. Could that mean, you know, we're trickling back into the idea of Kevin Durant coming back? Could be. That's the kind of thing you're going to find over at Bet Online. They get every sport too. Maybe on the weekends you're getting into MMA or golf. Obviously, NFL right around the corner. Head on over to Bet Online right now. You'll learn about all the trends, all the action. 
Bet online where the game starts. All right, summer league action closed out for the Nets. They beat Boston 102-95 on Saturday night. Uh, they end up going 3-2 and two in summer league. Uh, I thought the performances were you know, mostly consistent for what we know about these guys. We saw a concentration around minutes um, with you know, guys that probably, I mean, the guys we definitely know were going to be you know, involved with the team going forward. Obviously, that's Cam Thomas, De'Aaron Sharp, Kessler Edwards, and then we'll get to David Duke Jr. here in a second. Raekwon Gray, we'll see where we land on him. He's got consistent minutes, started every game. Uh, there's a chance the Nets do like that skill set a little bit more than I do. Um, you know, he was on the two-way last year, but spent the whole season in Long Island, uh, despite what the ESPN announcers want to tell you, where they wanted to tell you he started four games, where they consistently got that wrong on their broadcast. He did not. So he got those minutes. We saw a swapping of minutes around Kaiser Gates and Alondis uh, Williams as the as like the last two games went. I thought we were going to see more minutes out of Williams, who I thought played really well on Thursday evening um, and then didn't get as many minutes against Boston. And then obviously Gates got the 22 minutes, but it was mostly around the starters here because I think the Nets are leaving a break in summer league and saying these these are the guys that we know um, are going to either have actual roles on the team this year or kind of have definitive two ways that this is what we're going to do with these guys. And this is this is at least the core of core and maybe in quotes core of young guys that we are coming out of summer league with. And some of these other guys, maybe outside of Williams, were just, you know, summer league fodder. They were ways to fill out the roster. Maybe they got kind of hit on something with some dart throws here. I'm not sure we saw enough. But let's talk about what we did see from some of these guys because I thought there were definitive takeaways uh, even from this summer league action. We've talked plenty about Cam Thomas already. Uh, don't need to spend too much time here. I thought, the I will say on a quick note about Cam Thomas, his last summer league game, I thought was his most complete game. Uh, scored 25 points, was very efficient from the field, uh, and you know 10 for 20. Didn't get to the line as much, but made really great decisions, I thought. Really, really good decision-making out of him. Tried to get him more into the pick and roll. Um, a couple, probably sh- He had six assists. He probably should have had like eight, uh, all things considered. But his game looked slowed down. It looked in control. He was making, I thought, excellent reads. So that was what we wanted to see out of Cam. I thought two of these five games, we really saw it in terms of a complete game. And I thought this was one of them. But let's talk about David Duke Jr. David Duke Jr. ends Summer League as... He had an excellent Summer League. Excellent, excellent, excellent. He scores 24 points in the final game against Boston. He goes 9 for 16 from the field. He gets to the line six times, knocks down five of those. And you get this sense that... I guess guess I'm trying to think about like David Duke Jr.'s sort of like trajectory here. Because when you look at his Summer League performance... He was top 12. I'm saying this with one game left. I'm recording this on Sunday before some of these games. So he might, let's say he gets no worse than top 15 scoring in summer league action. 19 points a game, ended up shooting 49% from the field. Um, and, you know, super efficient, looked very fast, was able to get to the rim, had a poster dunk in the Celtics game on Saturday where he just caught a... Uh, uh, kind of a screening and motion action from Dayron and then just drove the lane and sent the hammer down, which is awesome to see. And he was just absolutely cooking defenders on the offensive side of the ball with his speed and getting to the rack. So you look at him and you say, man, you know, the overall line for him 
in summer league, 19 points. Uh, let's see, four, almost four rebounds, three, uh, no, excuse me, four and a half rebounds, four assists for David Duke Jr. Really complete line for him. And so you look at that line out of summer league and you think, you know, give him, I saw people give him a contract. Let's give him, you know, let's, let's give him a contract. And I always think to myself, okay, you know, do we learn a ton from summer league or did David Duke Jr. show us a lot of the stuff we already know? I thought his summer league was excellent. He deserves you know, if he gets a contract, I think that's deserved. I think he's clearly going to be part of the action one way or another this season. Uh, and we saw what he can do on the NBA level last season when he had to get sort of like emergency break glass in case of COVID emergency minutes, uh, you know, during some mini stretches last year. My one concern with David Duke Jr. Well, here's the positives. Speed. He's got NBA-level speed. He can turn the corner uh, on an NBA level. He can get to the rim pretty much in terms of beating primary defenders really, really well. The energy is definitely there. He rebounds the position for his size on, at an excellent level. A lot of this is just hustle and instinct and overall athleticism. Like He has all of those traits 100%. Um, so if, if it's tra- just in terms of overall effort and making the most with what you have, David Duke Jr., deser- if that was the criteria— David Duke Jr. deserves a spot in the NBA. Uh, unfortunately, that's just like not the only criteria. And we'd have to think, I think, rationally around, you know, what David Duke Jr. is able to provide when it's real NBA players out there on the other side of the ball. And for as great as Summer League is and for as fun it was to watch, and this year seems particularly fun, especially with all the awesome rookies that were coming in and just some of the storylines, I do still think that we're in like tweener territory with David Duke Jr. That makes it difficult for me to see how it's like an NBA contributor on consistent minutes, and that's where I that's like that's where it kind of stops for me. And it, it sucks to say that because I love watching him play. And I again, I I, can't, I go back to this. I love the energy. The energy is so there. Like if he was two inches taller, I don't think we'd be having this conversation at all. But he just this is just where he is. He's you know six four, two hundred. He's around. He's like. He's kind of the same size as Bruce Brown, though he looks a little smaller, weirdly. Um, and so I just, it's hard to kind of see. And like these kind of little tweener guards who aren't really point guards, that aren't really shooting guards, they get by on athleticism. You know, think like Gary Payton Jr. or someone like that. It's not a t- perfect comp, but there are, have been guys like Bruce Brown to some degree. There have been guys that have come around like this that have you know, made a place for themselves in the NBA, despite not being able to do some of the more traditional things that get these guys roles. For instance, David Duke Jr. is not really a good three-point shooter. His 19 points a game in summer league were almost all at the rim. Like he took 13 and a half shots per game. I don't have the exact breakdown, but it was probably, I mean, I'll tell you right now, he shot four three-pointers a game. The other nine were definitely at the rim, except that his four of his four three-pointers a game, he shot 25%. And that carries over from last season where we saw that he's just not that great of a three-point shooter either. And this is like a little bit of my concern because if you can't shoot the three, because you you can't really space the floor that well, um, if you're not going to be able to space the floor and you're not going to be able to be the primary ball handler, which I don't think David Duke Jr. is, like this is where we get left in the what is he. Again, summer league action, super high pace, you know, getting out in transition, just be able to read and react to a, a defensive matchup that you can blow by. Yes, David Duke Jr. is going to shine. And he did. He made, Again, he made the most of it. It's just that when we actually try to translate this to the NBA level, 
I do think it's not as easy as sign this guy to a contract. Did you see the summer league performance? Because I just, in a lot of ways, I don't know if that is like, a, if that's the correct assessment. Again, it sucks. I, I want David Duke Jr. to get paid. He clearly deserves it from a work, you know, an effort level. But if you can't shoot the three and you're not just a little bit bigger, I, it does, when you get out on the NBA court against, you know, the quote unquote real players, I think we sort of sort of, at times have seen how this story ends. So if they did it, if they signed him, I'm all for it. It's all great. I just want to like pump the brakes a little bit on why some of these stats for David Duke Jr. might not translate one-to-one to the NBA court. And he's still young. There's room for growth here. Um, I think that the Nets, you know, they clearly outkicked again their draft slot as, they had, as they've done time and time again. And the rest of this lineup kind of speaks to that. As they've just done, a, they've been pretty good at talent evaluation when it comes to guys that they're just getting in the lower, you know, lower first round, second round, or even just uh, on, on the free agency piece. So um, overall, positive assessment on David Duke Jr. Just wanted to give that one little pump uh, of the brakes when it came to you know how this 100% cha- uh, translates to what could happen in the NBA. Definitely here. The other guy I want to talk about in a second is Daron Sharp. Uh, almost could have just jumped on after the last summer league game to give some David Daron Sharp accolades because he really, really put up a nice one against Minnesota. Did carry it over in a lot of ways to this Boston game as well. Going to talk about that. We're going to take a quick break. All right, want to talk about De'Aaron Sharp here uh, in the second. Just going to get you prepped for NFL season. Which NFL stars move the betting line the most starting July 18th? Locked On gives you the 50 most valuable players in the NFL from the odds makers at Bet Online. Available June, excuse me, available July 18th on Locked On NFL wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. All right, let's finish this thing off with De'Aaron Sharp. Um, nice summer league for him overall. Uh, and we kind of are in a situation now where I think we actually need to start thinking about what the Sharp's role is this year. The Nets in the offseason, you know, they had some free agency moves. They brought in Royce O'Neal uh, with the trading the draft pick. They brought in TJ Warren. They brought in Edmund Sumner. And they did not bring any other bigs. And in fact, they've lost bigs. Andre Drummond signed with Chicago. Blake Griffin and LaMarcus Aldridge um, are, have not signed with anyone. That doesn't, there's no reporting that those guys are coming back at all. And so, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, so we are left with poss- the possibility that De'Aaron Sharp and Nick Claxton, with Claxton probably starting, are going to be the functional centers for the Nets coming into this season. That's looking like how it's going to shape up. Um, I, they haven't done anything else to address the situation. That would make me feel like there's at least some confidence in what Sharp has shown both last year in the off season. And then, I mean, to some degree, summer league, even though that came after the free agency signing period, that, that this was a guy that they feel comfortable with. So let's talk about what that means for sharp and what that means for the nets. Things that I thought that sharp looked really good on this in the, uh, in summer league one, he looked noticeably thinner. I have not been able to confirm that. And I tried to reach out to see if like anyone had like actual, you know, sort of metrics or if someone had actually said something, if they did like shoot me a line here, because I haven't seen it just my own eye test sharp looked thinner. He looked not like, you know, you know, sickly thin. He just looked like he was just kind of, he took some, some off of his frame, maybe in order to get back some quick quickness, and I think with that, what we saw from him in summer league was a confidence 
around like his ability to maybe just be a little bit more of a center. He put the ball, he dribbled a lot in, in the summer league, like way more than you ever would have thought he would have. Um, he And some of this was like above the key, outside of like, you know, didn't get into a handoff, turned and faced the defenders and kind of just wanted to cook somebody. That was definitely not something we saw too much of from him last season. Uh, there seemed to be a confidence around the ball handling. Sometimes that was overconfidence because he lost his handle a lot. He did have some turnovers and it didn't always work. But I kind of do appreciate the effort because I think it shows um, a want or a like a, you know a feeling that he wants to maybe grow his game into something more than just your traditional on the block center. So we saw it through. So we thought, saw it through that piece. We also saw it through just him trying to shoot threes. Uh, he did shoot some threes in, in in the summer league action. They he shot him at thirty percent on two attempts per game. Two attempts is you know not an overwhelming amount, but when you're Dayron Sharp. And the idea that maybe a stretch big is a thing that you can think about in terms of like increase, excuse me, uh, yeah, 30% on two attempts a game. Uh, you know, stre- being a stretch big is something the Nets haven't really had. Is there a world where like he, tr- you know, envisions himself trying to be able to do this? They clearly tried it a little bit because he did shoot some, you know, he did try to shoot some three pointers. The shooting is still a work in progress for him there. The free throw shooting, which is usually a decent comp for what you're going to do from behind the arc, is still not totally there. 56% on more than three attempts in summer league. But it, there, there was an effort there. And I thought that in addition to like you know trying to dribble, trying to shoot for some threes, trying to just be a little more of an offensive initiator when it came to just having the ball more and be feeling confident with the ball, even though it didn't always work out. I thought that was a positive sign. Like that, the Nets are probably going to need something like that. Like, and he's going to need to add another piece to his game um, if he's going to want to just be, you know, a full-time NBA center, which I don't think he is yet. But, but hey, this might be the the sign that it's kind of on its way. Um, I did think like sometimes his instincts around getting the ball are not amazing. Um, not around getting the ball on the glass. I think that is excellent. It's getting the ball like in certain parts of the offense. Like there was a read and react situation on a pick and roll where he just wasn't ready for a Cam Thomas pass uh, against the Celtics. Uh, those kind of things are a little bit of concerns. He does default to going down into the block to want to post guys up. Looks okay in summer league because he's a big guy and he can kind of just overpower some of these guys. On an NBA level, do we want to see any Daron Sharp post-ups uh, with the, if, if our, in a certain kind of offense? Like, definitely not. So I think from that standpoint, like, those things don't really impress me. But can he rebound at the NBA level? 100%. Like, we saw it already last season. He was one of the best offensive rebounders per minute in the NBA last season in, like, sort of quality minutes. He has a nose for the glass. That sometimes really can't be taught. That carried over into summer league as well. And this is a situation where we do know that he has one skill rebounding that he can do very, very well. If you can start there and the other things look like things that he wants to build on, I do think we can start to think about him as a functional role player. I still think there's stuff that needs to be worked out along those lines. Again, it's not always pretty. It's not always super fluid. Um, that. You know, the overall just like intelligence, not not his personal intelligence, like the basketball intelligence about like where to be and, you know, what, you know, where the ball is going to be finding him in a certain situation isn't 100 percent there, though it's getting there. And he kind of like David Duke Jr. in a lot of ways makes up for some of those deficiencies just with the effort. 
because effort is so much of this stuff, right? Like if you, if you're going to put in the requisite effort, it's going to be hard for it to be terrible, right? Maybe it's not going to be amazing, but it's going to be really hard for it to be awful. And not, and look, all NBA players, uh, put an effort. Like you can't make it to this level without having pretty much maximum effort, but there are guys, I will say where the effort gets them a little bit further down, you know, the career line than than other guys just because it just is a little bit higher than some of these other guys. I do think Sharp qualifies under that stipulation. I think that like that is, if we think about him that way where it does seem like the work effort is there, it seems like he wants to be better. It seems like he's tried to grow certain parts of his game with an understanding that hey, I'm going to need to be a little quicker here. I'm going to need to be able to stretch the floor a little bit. I'm going to maybe need to put the ball on the deck from time to time because uh, and like the defensive situation breaks down. I already know I can rebound. I already know I can get on the glass. If I can fill out some of these other parts of my game, I can be a real contributor. So what we're looking from Dayron Sharp in terms of minutes this year will be really interesting to see. It does look like short of a Kevin Durant trade that upends the roster. It does look like he's going to probably get minutes. Um, just because of the way the rest of the roster is shaking out. We'll see if there's another move out there. Not too many other moves to make, I don't know, in terms of guys who like could be real NBA contributors. So we could be seeing more Daron Sharp, and if that's the case, I think what we saw from him from Summer League is enough to feel at least okay about that. All right, we're going to be talking more with Kevin Durant, obviously, this week and probably end up through the offseason. We'll try to get something going with the Suns guys uh, to see you know, what their thoughts are because I know we definitely differ on how we see this thing playing out. In the meantime, in the meantime, make sure you subscribe over on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast as well. Free available and on all platforms. Free on YouTube as well. The way you help the podcast, you hit subscribe. You make sure it just shows up every day. Actually, listen to the shows and uh, leave some comments. That helps as well. But this stuff is all free to do. It doesn't cost you anything. Adam is the one for the quotes from all the great American poets. Uh, so I'll always leave the quotes to him to end of the show. I will just end it by saying we'll be back again tomorrow talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball. <laughs>